Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the boss over at that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Well, Lester, we did it. We made it to the end of the season. The, the Bears finished out on a loss, and then they continued losing on Monday with a press conference led by Chairman of the Board, George McCaskey. And so what I think we should do tonight is we should address both this terrible loss to the Vikings and the terrible press conference that happened and kind of a sneak peek look ahead of what to expect in the offseason. What do you think? That sounds good. I, I got a couple notes about the game, but but I'm like you. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard to focus back on that pointless game. I mean, if Justin Fields would have played, maybe sure. If there was more Thomas Graham Jr., more Tevin Jenkins, sure. But there wasn't a lot of the young guys playing, so it's hard to focus on that one. Today was all about Nagy, Pace, and George. And Ted. So, all right, so let's let's talk about the game real quick. So the Bears lose this game despite taking a 17-10 lead into the fourth quarter. They somehow get blown out. Like they took a, a, a touchdown lead into the fourth quarter, and they get blown out by two scores. Um, George McCaskey does make the decision to fire Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy. That's how many of us started our Monday morning. Uh, we saw that mid-morning. So that was, that was good. Um, Ryan Pace, after seven years, is out. Uh, Matt Nagy after four years is out. So those were positive things in the, in the fact that we felt like the bears were ready for a reset. Um, a lot of the same Nagy tropes came through in that, in that 17th game as well, but any, uh, sort of big picture thoughts before we literally go through our normal categories with both the presser and the game. Uh, like I said, it's hard to really think about that game. Cause it was just, if Justin Fields would have played, that would have been something really to think about, talk about, to, to look forward to this whole off season, but, but that damn COVID man, it, it knocked him <laughs> yeah. out. And, you know, and then like just the whole thing from Matt Nagy, it's the whole game plan, the, the fourth down fiasco. It's just like, what are, like, what are we doing? All these, I, I love the aggressiveness. Sure. sure. It took, it took till the final game of the year. I love the aggressiveness. You know, and it wasn't like these, these were times when he shouldn't have gone for it. I mean, the book says, yeah, you, you where, where they were, it made sense to go for it. But all those stupid ass pass plays they did, not one run, not, not one, you know, two-way go for Dalton. I know Dalton's not the greatest athlete, but get him out of the pocket, dropping him straight back and getting attacked. I mean, like, like they didn't expect the Vikings to blitz him. Oh. I mean, I, I think I put a tweet out that said, uh, a double A gap blitz by Mike Zimmer. I've never seen that before. There's no that way tweet, that yeah. Andy Dalton could have been prepared for that. Man. Are you kidding me? Of course, Andy Dalton knows that. Wasn't Zimmer the defensive coordinator when Dalton was a quarterback in the, at the, the Bengals? Isn't that where uh, oh, he came from? It's possible, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure Andy Dalton knew that he brought double A blitz gaps, gap blitzes. So as every show, we start off with the trench tribute and – you have a trench tribute from the game, and I have a trench tribute a from dose. the uh, presser. Yeah. So why don't you talk about the game? I'll go first. You know, my, my trench tribute this week, I'm going to give it a, a, a two guys. Jason Peters, left tackle. We talked about him all season long. The way he came off the boat, he was fishing. He really saved the Bears season at that spot because of the injury to Tevin Jenkins. And then Tevin Jenkins recovered. He, he, he was able to play in. And I've talked about it. The game I graded him out at, start to finish, outstanding game. The brief snaps he had this last week, again, he only played you know less than a half. 
And then the week prior, he played a, t- a few snaps again. I thought he played good again. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for Tevin Jenkins at left tackle in the future. So my transfer, I'm going to go two guys. I'm going to go to the left tackle spot, you know, Tevin Jenkins for the future, Jason Peters for the, for the, for the present. And, and thanks a lot for, you know, coming into the bears. And, and I would not be upset if the bears brought Peters back as a backup. You know, I think he's a veteran, you know, if he wants to keep playing, you know, and obviously he did cause he, he came back for the bears, but if he wants to keep it going, you can do a lot worse as a Jace Peters is one of your backup linemen. Yeah. I mean, I find it to be kind of like, that's not going to happen. No, right? Like, happen. you know, he's going to go fishing again, but yeah, you never know. I mean, some of these, these guys said, Hey, I still got it. I like to play. Um, they've got a craft. I mean, you, you know, you can't really predict what, what these guys want to do with their life. And if they can still perform at a high level, then who are we to say? So my trench tribute goes to Olin Krutz. Okay. I was wondering <laughs> how you're going to twist it. I love it. Okay. So Olin Krutz came out this week and, and uh, basically bashed, the Bears organization by um, revealing that during uh, the Nagy era, Harry Heastead, I never remember how to exactly say his name, but uh, former Notre Dame offensive line coach came to the Bears uh, early in the Matt Nagy era and uh, wanted to bring uh, Olin in to uh, help help with the offensive line. And the Bears offered to pay him, according to Olin Krutz, $15 an hour. Olin laughed and said heck no i'm not going to do that so he revealed that this week Uh, a reporter during the press conference asked george mccaskey about uh, that and instead of giving a non-answer which is what george mccaskey had done for most of the press conference he basically called olin a liar and said that that's not the story and olin knows the story and he wasn't going to get into that and that you couldn't trust olin because he doesn't give you the whole story and I'm going to side with Olin Krutz here. Yeah. <laughs> Olin Krutz gave everything to this organization for a long time. Uh, you know, he would be a benefit to those uh, offensive linemen to, if he wanted to come in and coach. Uh, I don't put it past the Bears for having something like that fall through the cracks and offering him some ridiculous salary to, to come in and help out um, at that level. $15 an hour is an insult to anybody coming in at that level, uh, let alone a guy who was a perennial pro bowler and an all decade performer at center position. So um, I, I, th- I found McCaskey's response to that question to be insulting and yeah. degrading. And I'm, I'm, I'm on all one side. So he gets, you know, it's funny. Cause like the money, I, it's obviously it's not enough money for a guy like recruits, no. but you look at the quality control coaches in the NFL, those guys get paid peanuts. They don't get paid good at all. And it would not surprise me if it's the bare standard MO to give a quality control guy $15 an hour, 1099 right. cash income. That's, you know, it's not good, but it's, it's not the worst. So I could see a low level guy getting that much money. So when Harry, he goes to whoever it was, whether it's Maggie pace and Hey, I want a guy, I want a guy that will bring him in as an assistant for just for camp. Oh yeah. It's 15 an hour. Okay. He goes back, tells all and says, piss off. It, it's over. But now of course the story's brought back up. So, so I could see that scenario playing out where there may be something lost in the translation. Like, no, no, it's Olin Krutz. You know, it's, it's, it's perennial all pro Olin Krutz, the bears legend. That's what I want to bring in. If, if that would have got up to George, but you're not going to George McCaskey with, you know, Hey, I want to bring in a, uh, an assistant coach for training camp only for a few weeks. 
you're not going to him with that request. That's going to someone low level, whether it's Pace or one of Pace's guys, or, and I'm sure something happened there, but the money I can understand, again, why would Oman lie about this? He, he wouldn't. Exactly. So, so that part, we, it, it, it's almost certainly true, but yet McCaskey doesn't come out. The, the problem is the way that McCaskey handled the question Arrogant. and didn't, it didn't yeah. say like, yeah, you know, clearly there's some miscommunication that shouldn't have happened. You know, we'd love Olin. That's we, it. We, you know, that's it. It's, it's easy. Right. But the way that he answered it was basically like, you can't trust Olin Cruz. He, he, he basically shit on Cruz. It's like, yep. what are you doing? This is one of your, you know, He's still in Chicago. Be in your yeah. ring of honor if you were yeah. smart enough to put up a ring of honor. Exactly. Okay. That Crazy. was a random. That was a random. Uh... It's, good. it's good to get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get it out. All right. What about Twitter? Uh, my tweet of the week is from uh, Dan Weeder. And he just shot this out. We're recording this here on, on Monday night. He shot this out uh, late, late Monday afternoon. He says calls and texts flowing in tonight about Bears jobs confirm what we presented last month. Both these openings, despite some of the big questions about the organization, are considered primo. Candidate interest is very high. It's funny because, like, when you're in it and like you're you're covering the Bears, you know, you realize, you know, like 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 I'm pissed with happening a lot with the Bears. It's, mm-hmm. I'm a fan. <laughs> you know, it's it's the joke of a franchise. A lot of things they do, but from the outside looking in, from a national perspective it's still the Chicago bears and, right. and, and there's something that goes along with that. And then of course you add Justin Fields to the mix. So if you're a, a GM or a head coach, you know, looking for one of those jobs, it's still a, like, like, like Dan said, a primo destination. Yeah, it is. And, and sometimes people get a little bit too like, well, that guy will come play here for half of what he's worth because yeah. it's the Chicago was like, no, 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 no. That's not really the thing. But to think that you're going to have trouble attracting good candidates, particularly when you did a clean sweep, I could see them having trouble getting head coaching candidates to come in if they would have kept pace, because that would have been a a real red flag to any good head coach. Say, okay, this, this general manager, who knows what he's got for rope left in, I'm going to come in and no, that he gets fired. The next guy's going to want to hire his own guy. So, so with the full openings, I, I think they did the right thing because they opened themselves up to be able to get all of the best candidates to be at least somewhat interested in this job. I'm, I'm going back to the presser with my, uh, <laughs> with my, with my tweet here. So Jason Goff, who's at Jason one Goff, he lists five takeaways from the presser. I saw this tweet. Yeah. Number one, Use uh, use a grieving family and kid to chastise Bears fans for being idiots. Now, he this is prepared statement, George McCaskey. This is how he leads off. He says how sorry he is that um, Jeff Dickerson died and, and talked about Jeff Dickerson's kid. And then use that transition to say Parker is the same age as Matt Nagy's kids. Matt Nagy's kids had to endure this abuse from bears fans about fire Nagy and how dare you and start scolding people like right off the top. This is the first like two minutes of this press conference. He's scolding bears fans or whoever this was for this, this chant uh, of fire Nagy at this high school game or whatever. That's months old. Like this yeah. story came out a long time ago. Like he's just been saving this ammunition. Plus Matt Nagy's gone now. Who cares what <laughs> yeah, happened Matt two months ago? Oh, Number two uh, from this tweet, insult a reporter uh, before a question is asked, which 
the reporter was on mute and uh, they, uh, he was informed, hey, you're on mute. Hey, you're still on mute. And McCaskey said, that's the best question you've ever asked, um, which I thought was kind of funny. But anyway, we'll, 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 we'll give him that. I believe that was David Ha, and he actually came back with some snark of his own. So it was kind of nice to hear. Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. But, you know, yeah. uh, the third one, Drive Bill Polian's Book Sales. He did plug Polian's book multiple times. Yeah which I thought was very interesting. So Bill Polian is helping out George McCaskey to set this process up, to conduct these interviews, to bring people in. It's very similar to the Ernie Corsi thing. I, I, the, Bill Polian has some real issues. Like that is absolutely a thing. It's a real criticism. He has some real issues. He, he has there are real criticisms uh, to, to have against Bill Polian. He's also in the Hall of Fame. He's built some good franchises. It's it's a more complex picture. Ernie Corsi was a well-respected general manager in the league for a long time. Polian's a little bit more well-respected with a little bit more success. Um, the worry is that he's maybe a little old uh, and and not particularly with it. But we will see. Let's judge that after this process plays itself out. That that's where I'm at. Number four, call one of your most respected players in team history a liar, which we just talked about. Yeah, we addressed that one. Yeah. And then five, fail to instill confidence. And that is the basics of what happened in this press conference. George McCaskey does himself no favors with how he acts in these press conferences, how he interacts with the media, and his relationship with, with Ted Phillips, who which he clearly believes is a good thing, like he likes and respects Ted Phillips. Ted Phillips is probably a bit of a, a scapegoat for a lot of people. I don't think that Ted Phillips does what people thinks he thinks he does but, but the problem is that we are as bears fans want that that head of football operations and because there is no one filling that role because that role is filled by the general manager uh, in in mccaskey's words and ted phillips sort of acted as a go-between with the general manager and the owner in the past that has put him in this position this awkward position where i think ted phillips is there to kind of make money and to be yeah. george's friend and that's really what he's there for. But the when these guys talk, the confidence level that you have in this franchise, if you had any of it at all, just evaporates because they are terrible at this part of of the of, of the communicating with the fans and with the with the media. You know, George talks this time. He talked about how it's his decision to make. You know, the the new jam will answer directly to him. You know, that's that's how they're going to set this whole thing up. But George also says. I'm just a fan. I don't know football. Well, what the, why would you say this? You know, the, the board of directors at some point has to realize why is he the face of our franchise here? Why is he the guy that's out there front and center saying this stuff when he clearly doesn't know what he's doing? You know, he's just, you know, it makes no sense that they would keep trotting him out there. Yes. It's only once a year, but we were left the same feeling last year. Uh, Adam Hogue tweeted something out saying, you know, how it's the same as last year. He shouldn't be surprised, you know, because it's the same thing going on, but he is because it's so shocking that they so would keep weird. doing such stupid yeah. stuff. And it's, and, you know, like we talked about on, on the pre-show a little bit, the stuff they've done since the presser, the, the interview requests they've made for head coach and for GM, I like the names they're bringing in. I like the names they're gathering. So, so, so hopefully the process is better this time. But that press conference was an hour worth of just annoying the hell out of Bears fans everywhere. Yeah, if you if you care about this team and you know enough 
to to navigate some of the ins and outs the things that you say you're like stop talking like just stop talking you you are doing yourself no favors just end it oh bad connection and just like hang up or something because it just it's bad um what about stats did you have a fun stat to bring up because mine's Mine's a little uh, bit mean, but we're gonna I don't know do if it. I'd call it fun. It's uh, the, 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 my number this week is twenty point three. Oh boy! Okay, and, and it, I, and I remember from, this from it, our it's friend from a, Kev. Fr- a friend of ours, Kev at WCG is one of a, a longtime friend of, of of the program. He used to be an editor back in the day. He's kind of still a, an honorary editor of the site here. But his tweet that he put out was since two thousand season, the Bears have averaged twenty point three points a game, not even three touchdowns they can score since the 2000 season. And here's the kicker that includes all of the special team touchdowns, all of the defensive touchdowns. So I'm not doing the math. I'm sure Kev probably did the math because he's that kind of guy. I'm guessing he'll knock this down to 19, 18 points a game, just offense alone. And that, that's, that's pre-Naggy. That's, that's including the big year from Tressman. Since the 2000 season, this team has been stuck in, Defense wins championships. <laughs> no, give us a damn offense. Give us an offense that can score some damn points. That's all we want. Yeah, that that encompasses all of Devin Hester's career. That is, yeah. Right? I mean, all right, my, my number is negative 368. <laughs> negative 368 is the point differential for the Chicago Bears since George McCaskey got his general manager and head coach in place for the first time. That was in 2013. So George McCaskey took over this team in 2011. And at the uh, end of 2011, he brought in Phil Emery. The end of 2012, they fired Lovey Smith and they brought in Mark Tressman after telling Bruce Arians that he could not bring in Todd Bowles uh, and, and therefore went to their number two candidate so that they could try to keep Rod Marinelli, who then quit and went to Dallas um, because that's, that's how you run a franchise. That was the so, consulting firm that McCaskey hired back at that hiring process. And then of course it was the, of course he was the second time and now it's the uh, Polian. So, you know, he, he you clearly have, knows he sucks at his job. He's got to get help, but come on. True. So you have nine seasons since McCaskey has had his people in place, right? And those people have changed those two general managers and three head coaches. The point differential during that time is negative 368. That is a disgusting number. They are 61 and 84 over that time period. They are 0 and 2 in the playoffs and they have been blown out, which is 14 points or more as I defined it, 26 times. And so as George McCaskey said in his press conference that numbers, the, the winning wins and losses, that's how he can judge uh, the performance of a general manager. If that's true, he's not cutting it. You tweeted those numbers out, didn't you? I think I saw you tweet that earlier at mm-hmm. Gridiron Born. Yeah, I saw that earlier. I was I was this close to using that somewhere in my stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure Jeff's going to put that somewhere. So that's uh, normally that's I would numbers. hold it until we recorded, and then I would like tweet out Fire, stuff. Yeah. It was just that too was so, much. Yeah. I just had to put it out there. Just I I had some heat going with this uh, press conference still. So I'm a little bit cool. Again, the we'll wait and see what happens with this process and who they bring in and yeah. what this results as, but it's just to, to expect different results after doing it the same way multiple times is, is kind of insanity. And, you know, one thing that I, I don't think that he emphasized enough, but he did bring it up a couple of times was that the, the people in the room are going to change. 
Um, yes. Ted Phillips is still going to be there, but they are bringing in additional people to help them interview. Obviously, Bill Polian will be there, um, but he, he's bringing a couple people in. There's uh, somebody, and I'm going to, we'll save it <laughs> because he's going to come up again later. Uh, but there's somebody who's going to be more of like a player liaison to get that kind of insight into what, how he, he thinks the players will respond. There's a, you know, someone who's uh, going to try to identify some of those implicit biases that, that we all have, um, you know, in, in, so that they're not doing any sort of group think or, you know, 80 year old white guys, I'll say, Hey, yeah, that, that guy looked great. Right. So, so they are doing a different uh, interview team. Um, I think a lot of people wish that Ted Phillips wouldn't be there. That was even asked in the press conference, but I, I think that, you know, we will wait and, and hold judgment. I just think that, these press conferences are incredibly depressing because yeah. they really don't know how to play them and they, they could benefit from bringing somebody in who could, you know, as fans, we can do both. We can be annoyed at what we saw today and we can also hold judgment. I, I, I say people in my mentions on Twitter, I saw people on social media, people in the comment section at WCG, you know, they're saying, you know, who cares about the press conference? Let's just wait and see. Let's wait and see Well, we've waited and seen for a long time now with George McCaskey. You know, and so far, the results have not been good. Like George said himself, it's a results-based business. Win-loss record is not where it should be. You know, so we as fans, we could be pissed, you know, at what we saw. And we can also be rational enough to understand that, hey, like, like we said, maybe the guys are bringing in this time will be different. As fans, that's all we have is the hope. Yeah. Because if, if it's the same old crap that we've seen the last few years, it's going to suck. So we have to hope that they get it right. We have to hope that whoever it is, is the right GM, is the right head coach. And there's going to be an, a long sustained success here as Bears fans, because we are desperately craving, craving it. You know, we, we as, as, as being in Chicago, we see the Bulls, the White Sox, the Cubs have had success, the Blackhawks, the Sky have, has had recent success. The Bears have had nothing. And, and it's, it's, it, it's it's a it, the city of Chicago is a Bears town. Mm-hmm. When the Bears are good, everything's good in Chicago. I mean, I put all my eggs in this one sport. So, like, I, I you know, I was a fan of the Bulls growing up, and I'm a fan of the Cubs to some extent. So, I did enjoy that that World Series. But you know, when the Cubs are out of it, I'm okay, fine. You know, like whatever, I move on. You know, the, the Bears, obviously, it's I got a lot of a lot of eggs in this basket. So. Uh, well, let's take a quick break. On the other side of it, we will come back and we will identify our three bears for the last time this season. Stick with us. All right, Lester. So three bears. So I kind of almost spoiled my hot bowl of porridge. I'm going to get it out now. So hot bowl of porridge for me from the press conference, Lamar Soup Campbell, <laughs> who is the director of player engagement, talked about that's that's the liaison between the players and the ownership group, um, someone who played in the league, he's someone who um, is basically there to kind of take the temperature of, uh, of what he thinks the, the locker room would respond to a new general manager, to a new head coach. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. And Soup Campbell got mentioned a, a whole lot by both of those guys. He's not, not a person I knew was a human person before this press conference. And got four or five mentions. So he's, he's outperforming his expectations. Um, this was a, this was a big game for him. So soup Campbell gets my hot pulled porridge, but I mean, come on, soup Campbell. That's a cool name. You know, he played for the lions for, I think four or five years, maybe six years, you know, so he's been in the league, you know, he's been with the bears for a number of years now. And, you know, he, he's, he's been in his role. I remember the bears talked about him a little bit 
it might have been at last year's uh, one of one of one of Ryan Pace's press conferences. He talked about how, how valuable he is to to the, to the team, what they have going on there in the front office. So, you know, it's good. It's good to get some new blood in there. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, of course, a lot of the scouts, a lot a lot of those guys are still on on staff. You know, we'll see how many of those are also involved in something as well. Um, the guys that are out of contract, obviously, are going to be gone. But who knows how the contracts work? So maybe some of those guys will be involved as well. So, you know, we've talked about the Bears drafts in the past. Maybe some of those scouts stick around. You know, maybe there's some value into what some of these guys did in their region. So who knows? I mean, it's 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 interesting how they how they worded the whole thing. Is it's good to see they have uh, some new blood at least helping with the search. And I'll just mention I wanted to give a, a bowl to Darnell Mooney, thousand yard receiving for the season. Um, so much love to him, um, and he had a big game as well. But what about you? What did you have? For me, my hot bowl of porridge this week goes to the the entire media contingent at the press conference because they Oof. were peppering. Uh, you know, it was not, you know, it, it, I figured it'd be a little bit, but everyone, they were bringing the heat. You know, there were guys, you know, they were calling out McCaskey and Polian for being two old dudes. You know, they, mm. they, they were calling these guys out. You know, they, they were talking about Pace and Nagy and, and the success that, or the lack of success they had and, and how, why will it be different? You know, uh, there were some really, like you said, some, some, some moments of, of tension with the, with the press, the press conference. And, and I like to see it because as fans, they're asking the questions that we would have asked if we were there. So it was good to see, you know, kudos to those guys for going out there and really bringing the heat. Yeah. It, it was really interesting from that perspective. Like you said, it's one point they're like, Hey, I'm not trying to say anything, but uh, you know, the league has changed a lot and you know, Bill Pullian's kind of up there and so are you. So uh, what are you going to do about that? And, they basically told Ted Phillips, like, you understand that people aren't very happy that you're involved in this process. Did you think about recusing yourself from the interview process? And I was like, okay, like you're coming pretty hot. Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, but yes, uh, they, they definitely brought it. Um, flip it around, cold bowl or porridge. I, I mean, obviously George McCaskey is getting a cold bowl of porridge. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Virginia will heat it up for him though. So um <laughs> I will. Uh, <laughs> I almost want to just 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 leave it there because that's such a perfect line. That was that was nice. I have to mention Andy Dalton. Yeah. Uh, what was Andy Dalton doing on those fourth downs? Like, you can't take a sack on fourth down. You have. I mean, if you're feeling pressure, get rid of the ball. Like, uh, even dump it. There was one where it was on the one, and he took a sack. The benefit of going for it on fourth and goal from the one is that if you don't get it, the offense gets the ball at the one yard line and yeah. you're likely going to uh, be able, maybe you get, get one of these, maybe, right? Safety, yeah. 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 You might get a safety or you're, you're they're going to be conservative. Hopefully you get a three and out, you get really good field position. But if you take a sack at the 15 yard line, well, then that negates the whole thing. You might as well just take the take the three, right? So he can't do that. And he did that. He took two or three sacks on fourth down, and then he threw the pick six on a fourth down. Like It's, it's almost like the pick six happened. He's like, I'm sick of these sacks. I'm just going to suck it up sacks. there. Here you go. Oh, it's a pick. And then he runs it back and forth. I mean, a lot of it goes back to the play calling. Why are they dropping them straight back on all those, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I didn't go back and, re- and watch the game. I'll admit it right now. I did not rewatch the game yet. Uh, I will at some point. But most of those fourth downs were shotguns. 
Why are you not mm-hmm. lining up in an eye? Lining up under center. Given the illusion that given given illusion, there's a quarterback sneak coming on fourth and inches, or the illusion you're, you're going to turn a hand the ball off. Play action. When you're in shotgun, it just takes away some of your some of your options, you know. Or if you are going to be in shotgun, then roll him out. Give him, like I said, give him a two way go. So he's you know he's not the most athletic, but he's not Nick Foles. He could run if there's a lane there to get some yards. Roll yep. him out. Don't just drop him back and get your ass sacked for seven times. He took seven sacks in this game. Yeah, it's a lot of work for you on sack watch. It but... sucks. All right, what about you? What did you have? Uh, for my cold, I'm with you. I'm I'm going Nagy. I'm going Pace. I'm going Ted Phillips. I'm going George McCaskey. I'm going the entire Bears board of directors for, for keep putting out this product we're having here in Chicago. You know, they're just – someone has to realize what's happening. And, and like you said, the, the awareness from the franchise, the awareness of, of the board – you know, someone on that board has to be smart enough to realize we can't keep putting this dumbass out there in front of the media. Someone on that board is smart enough to realize this, but obviously they're not a McCaskey. You know, George's, right. George's, you know, like you said, is, you know, it's, it's Virginia's son. So, but at some point, well, why is he even there? Like, like he has to realize what a dumbass he sounds like half the time. And, you know, you meant, you already mentioned his, his opening statements. You know, he wrote that out and he thought that's a good way to go. You know, (laughs) that's just terrible. That's, that's my, my cold goes to the entire, the whole thing, all of those. Well, and it's a good point because last year we had this press conference and we, you know, were throwing them a lot of shade for not moving on. And, you know, there were a lot of people that agreed with us and there were a lot of people that were like, it's fine. Like they need they, another they're year, close, you know, one more year of these guys and it's fine. And they'll prove you right. And it's like, eh, I prove you wrong. It, they proved us right. Um, the just right. I'm going to say Ted Phillips from the press conference today, because he gave me exactly what Ted Phillips has given <laughs> me uh, every year for the last, whatever. And I just got to say, I am amazed. One of our colleagues just is obsessed with Ted Phillips and yes. just talks about him all the time. And yeah. he's, he's on our, our chats and all the time. It would make this guy's day if Ted Phillips would retire or, or get fired. Didn't happen today. I'm sorry, Eric. Um, maybe eventually it will. But um, I'm also going to say Matt Nagy uh, for, for the end game. <laughs> what a perfect way for the Matt Nagy era to end. Uh, all of those fourth down calls that you mentioned, and we won't repeat that. Um, but the last play of the Matt Nagy era, fourth and 17, Dalton throws 15 yards short of the sticks. Just the most poetic Matt Nagy ending <laughs> that I could ever imagine. I was just waiting for this final play call of what Matt Nagy was going to do. You know, and, and you know what was crazy? He didn't pull out nearly as many tricks as I thought he would. I thought he would actually try to have some fun with this. The, the Lions really game, you watch the Lions highlights? The Lions, the Lions went down swinging and they got a win. And they got a win. And he just he just never really played it like that. He obviously went forth a lot, but he was and he was being him. He did the BU, but oh. uh, so he gets my just right. What about you? Uh, I'm going to tie this back. I'm going to keep it on the field here. I'm going to go just right. I'm going to go a uh, uh, tight end Cole Kmet. In, in, in 35, uh, there's only been 35 years or thir- how I, there's only been 35 times a receiver or tight end has had more catches than Cole Komet has. He had 60 catches on the season, 612 yards, and there are only four tight ends that had a better 
mark than that. I know I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. He was, I think, 10th at the time, but he ended up moving up to fourth. He actually tied with Greg Olson's 2009 season, an identical 60 catches, 612 yards. He, and who had 612? They both had 612? They both. The same number of catches, same number of yards. I'm going to guess that Greg Olson had a few more touchdowns. Greg Olson had eight touchdowns to Cole Kmet's zero. Zero. But, but still, you know, you're looking at a guy, is he's his second year to put up those numbers. It's an empty offense, of course. You know, they have to throw to yep. someone because, you know, if it's Mooney and, and who else you're going to throw to. But I think he's a piece moving forward. I actually, I was on a show earlier this morning talking about a Cole Kmet a little bit. You just got to use him right. You know, he's not, you know, he's not a Y. He's not a joker tight end. He's not a move tight end. He's a inline guy. I think he's about average as a blocker, you know, but at his age, he can still improve. You know, he has, there's upside there still. He's never going to be what some fans want him to be. He's never going to be Claypool from the Steelers it's with, you know, his, 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 his ND teammate. He doesn't have that kind of athleticism or explosiveness, but he could be a very serviceable type of player. So I want to give Cole Komet the just right for his 60 receptions in, uh, in, in 2021. If he wants to just learn how to run eight yards, sit down in the zone yeah. and catch a pass like Jason Witten and then fall forward two yards for a first down. He'll, he'll have a long career. The like occasional seam route, you know, when, when, when there's, yeah. when there's zone there, that's all you need to do. There's nothing wrong with any of that play action. That's all you need. Well, let's finish up with the final fields report. Obviously fields didn't play, but George McCaskey was asked the question and he said, would a candidate, uh, disqualify themselves if they said that Justin Fields wasn't in their future. And he, you know, said, oh, we want to hear what they have to say. It was, a, a, you know, a non-answer. As far as I'm concerned, the answer is yes. Uh, a candidate for general manager and a candidate for head coach, they have to come in and tell you how they are going to build around Justin Fields. This is Justin Fields' franchise at this point. If they somehow go down the road and hire somebody that doesn't believe that, then bears are in a lot more trouble than, than, than they already are. They've they're already set back even further. Yeah. They're set back way more than we're even willing to entertain now. So the answer to that question is yes, uh, they have to come in and say, Justin Fields is the guy. This is how we're going to build around him. This is the plan to develop him. This is the plan to put weapons uh, uh, around him. This is the plan to protect him. Those are questions that you will ask every candidate that you come in and how they answer those questions and what their plan is and how realistic it is. That is how you pick the best general manager candidate and the best head coaching candidate in a lot of ways. There's still obviously cap stuff and how you, you know, leadership and all that kind of stuff, but that has to be the number one thing that is asked of all of these guys. You know, this is not the Cardinal situation of Josh Rosen a few years ago where they had the, the first pick in the draft. So they went with Kyler Murray and got rid of Josh Rosen. This is not that situation. The bears don't have a, a first round pick this year. So if a new GM coming in doesn't believe in Justin Fields, you're just wasting a year basically. Cause you can't get a, a replacement for him this season. So you got to find a guy that believes in Justin Fields. You know, I think he has flashed enough. I think if you're a GM, I think, I think that part of that Dan Weeder tweet earlier, part of that is Justin Fields. You know, people are going to see him. They're going to see the potential. They're going to see what his, his flashes, his big plays. You know, we've talked about it all season long on the show. You know, he will push the ball downfield. He, he is going to make those, take those chances. You know, he, he wants to be a quarterback first. 
you know, but he has the athleticism. He is, I'm excited to see where this franchise goes, whether it's, you know, Jim Harbaugh, Brian Dables, whoever brings in an offensive package around him, they're going to come in, they're going to build around Justin Fields. And I think this franchise, again, we're talking about hope. That's all we have as Bears fans, you know, so if they get the right head coach, the right GM, they have the quarterback in place, fingers crossed. Let's go. There are a lot of right answers at general manager. There are a lot of right answers at head coach. And if we can get a combination of those, we believe that Justin Fields can be the right answer at quarterback. You line all of those up. That is how you get into the postseason consistently. You need to chip in the chair to get into the postseason. Once you have that, let's see what happens. I, I, I want to mention that Darnell Mooney in his postgame uh, comments said that he was going down to Florida right away and he was going to start training with, with uh, Justin Fields. Great. Like, I'll eat that stuff up. I don't want to overreact to the best shape of my life off season stuff. That's not my favorite thing, but to see that kind of commitment, that's great. I will say it might be nice for the next GM to sign a couple wide receivers so that Mooney's not the only guy working out with Justin Fields down in Florida, because right now he's the only one on the roster, but we have a late addition to the show. Producer extraordinaire Robert Schmitz is done with his pizza party. Yes. And he has come <laughs> back and he yes. has his hand up. Very nice student uh, to, to hold your hand up to be called on. So, of Robert, course. would you like to add something in here? I'm young. I'm in a room of elders. It comes naturally to raise my hand. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but so anyways, it's the only way I get to dig back at you guys. So talking about Fields, look, this is going to be a really weird season. Right. Everybody likes to bring up Peyton Manning. He, he led the league in INTs. They bring up Josh or Josh Allen, who looked awful in year one, followed it up by looking awful in year two, and then became an MVP candidate. Like you could name plenty of people. Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. We didn't get to see him play terribly. Right. But what I keep going back to, because you got stats like QBR, where what is it? Kevin Seifert? of ESPN is out here. Yeah, I know. Look, don't get me started. But then again, Lester, I'll be the first to say that any fan of any football team has a tendency to discredit all the stats that make yeah. the team look bad yeah. and prop up the stats that make the team look good. Right. But let me go back to something I know is near and dear to JB's heart because JB wrote a big piece earlier this year on toxic differential, right? That at the end of the day, what you're looking for in your offense is explosion, right? That that is often the difference maker. Well, if you look at just this year, when it comes to the Bears, right, NFL average of drop back per explosive pass is 11.9 dropbacks. And remember, an explosive pass is 15 plus yards. Well, our friend Jonathan Wood over at the Bears blog, friend of WCG, went through and charted Fields versus Dalton and Foles. Dalton and Foles charted 24.4 dropbacks per explosive pass. Remember, NFL average was 11.9. Same offense, Justin Fields, 10.9. 13th best in the NFL in just his rookie season. Look, I get it, Lester. I get that we are cherry picking because Justin Fields fumbled way too many times for 12 games. He had a few too many interceptions that you'd like. And if we did the drop nitpicking, we'd be doing exactly the same thing that we didn't allow for Trubisky for years, right? So I know that a lot of this is just eye test with nothing backing it up. But the fact that Fields has so much explosive potential has me really excited, pretty much regardless of head coach, because I don't know if the offensive passing scheme can get a lot worse than it was in 2021. Like I 
I really don't know what you'd have to do for it to be worse from a talent plus scheme perspective, but in within the context of the fact that the bears had two 500 yard receivers and one of them was a tight end, that number stick jumps out at me guys and says, I think we may really have something in fields if they can bring that floor up while retaining the star potential that he clearly showed all season. You know, I would love to see the numbers on that because like all year we saw, like whenever they would, the broadcast would talk about his play action ability and his rollout ability. Those two numbers, he was more successful when he was just doing straight dropbacks. He'll get there as far as being a dropback passer. That's what he's, he did in college. You know, he's not a, a run first kind of guy, but at this level, as a rookie, he excelled on play action and when the pocket was moving. So I'm curious to know how many of those explosive plays happen in those instances. And if the new coaching regime will watch the film and say, Hey, we got a guy here that, that is good at this. You know, he, he understands, you know, where his reads are when he, when, when he, when he turns his back to the defense and he spins back around after the play fake, he knows what he's supposed to do with the ball and he's going to push it downfield. That stresses a defense, a quarterback that's not afraid to go deep stresses a defense more than these dink and dunk guys. The dink and dunk guys can win for you. We, we see it happen all, all throughout the league, but a guy that has a big arm, like that game last night with, with the chargers and watching Herbert, that was so fun to watch. Yeah. He was just pushing oh, yeah. that ball downfield. It wasn't always there because his receivers were, were not doing him much help, but that was just fun. But to give you, you an know? example, Lester, that piggybacks off of exactly that and I'll get out of y'all's way. It's y'all's show. But like when it comes to fields, what I keep thinking about is that if you hunt on the box score, you're going to miss the fact that Andy Dalton had a 60 yard touchdown pass in the same game. Fields couldn't find one because he threw a bubble screen to Darnell Mooney, who took it to the house for 60 yards. Like everything this season was weird. And I would tell you that I feel like fields got pretty unlucky. He had that touchdown pass get dropped in Cincinnati. Like that's a touchdown pass. Jimmy Graham could come down with Nick Foles as like, third and 14 jump ball with somebody draped all over him, but he couldn't come down with Justin Fields' two-yard pass that was functionally the same throw a week earlier. I mean, look, I could complain and I could whine and nobody cares because all that we would be talking about is meaningless stats in a meaningless season. You know what I mean, though? It would just be about stat padding, QBR, and so on and so forth. To me, the core is when you take that seam throw to Jimmy Graham from the Steelers game in that slot fade from the Steelers game and that fourth and one conversion from the San Francisco game. You don't even have to get too cherry picky. The Detroit spin where he spun out a defender and looked for Cole Komet downfield. There are so many things to Justin Fields' game, whether it's play extensions, whether it's hitting an open throw in a tight window, whether it's that fourth down ball that he had to the Vi- or in the Vikings game to Darnell Mooney, where in the middle of a fourth down situation, he had the guts to dot Mooney's hands and Mooney couldn't get the like his feet back in bounds. I, I don't really care about the results. I feel like we're seeing it. With Justin Fields, he had a huge season full of almosts, and I get it, right? He's got to hold on to the ball. There are plenty of things that he needs to work on, but so many things went just not his way in the world of NFL dice rolls. I'm really excited. Like, I can see you guys smiling. I I don't know. All I'm saying is I'm pretty sure that your pizza topping was pepperoni and Adderall because (laughs) you are fired up off the walls, man. I here's here's the point Robert. here's the point is that right now justin fields is a a guy that hits 50 home runs and bats 220 220 210 he's adam dunn chicago thing 
Okay, and, Adam Dunn, Dave Kingman, I like it. And if you're, you know, a guy like Dalton, who's more of a singles hitter, maybe his average is like 230, 240. And you're like, see, he's got better app. It's like, yeah, but he's not hitting for power. And by the way, Justin Fields is going to steal 40 bags. And, you know, oh, by the way, he's going to field his position really well. Right. And so, yes, the, the, the quick game stuff is going to need to improve. You can tell his processor is just not there yet. That happens with a rookie quarterback. That sure. stuff's going to improve. Every the, rookie not named Joe Burrow, who but, I swear was just weirdly good at the quick game stuff last year, just to say the name. Burrow's his own, Burrow's his own thing, <laughs> right? Burrow's his own thing. He's, he, he, he's, he's its own. We, we can get into that. When, when Justin Fields elevates to that level where it's like he's one of the young pup quarterbacks that, you know, has taken over the league, we'll talk about how to, you know, compare and contrast those guys. But, but right now, I think it's important to, to know that a guy that is a singles hitter isn't going to bulk up and become a home run threat, right? Fields already has that. And I think that he can become a better hitter. He can get those singles and doubles more often as he improves at the professional level, but you can't really teach that strength. You can't really teach that long right. ball ability that usually doesn't improve much. And so and the to fact keep that using the metaphor, that, that's, that's amazing. So and to keep using the metaphor, JB, he may never be a three thirty hitter either. It would be great to dream, right? of a 330 triple crown winning hitter, but you can do a lot with a 275, 280 hitter that hits 50 home runs and steals 30 bags. Because it's all about form. OPS, right? Which, right? And that's what we're talking about. It's all about, <laughs> it's all about your, uh, you know, overall ability to explosive plays. It's, it's about scoring points, right? That's, right. What, that's what it comes down to. Like you're, you're not going to get a guy who can hit 90, you know, is going to have a, a 75% completion percentage and be able to push the ball deep and go deep all the time and, and hit those as well. Right. You, you know, generally the, the further your a dot is your average depth of target, generally your completion percentage goes down. Justin Fields, I think can be the guy that has one of those higher average depth of targets and, you know, complete enough to where he's having enough of those explosive plays to where that is a successful offense. That's the future of offense. That's where the NFL is going. And he can fit into that modern mold. He does need to hit the singles though every once in a while. He does need to be able to move the sticks. That's important. That'll come. So um, with that, I mean, the football season's over. Maybe you guys can now get into baseball if you're into it. Uh, we, I guess we just tortured a metaphor for, for long enough. <laughs> um, this is the end of the first season of Baron Balance. And it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Robert, for putting this together. Yes, thank you, thank Lester, you. for being a great co-host. Awesome. I really appreciate the time here. It's been a lot of fun. I was curious to see how this would go. Um, I'm I'm usually a little bit emotional. I, I never love jumping onto Robert's show in the past because I always worry I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret the next day because I can get a little angry. Um, but having that, that 24 hours time to think about it, um, being able to go back and watch the game again is really helpful. And I really appreciate all Lester's insight into this. And, and I certainly learned a lot uh, over the year and I'm glad everybody has stuck with us. And um, I think we had a good thing going here. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. I appreciate you uh, uh, running the point, so to speak, on the show. It's awesome. It's, uh, you, you, you do a great job, not only here, but also with the other show, Bears Over Beers. Uh, Robert, appreciate you jumping in and, and being the exec producer of the show the whole season. So uh, I'm excited for this for the next season of, uh, of Bear and Balance. 
Look, you guys make it really easy, and I know everybody wants to see hear what y'all have to say. So it made a lot of sense to just stitch you together and do the recording. I mean, again, like I remember we used to joke around. This is a nice behind the curtain moment, but we used to joke around about how if you had a technical difficulty on Lester's show, it was getting aired. Like there's nothing you could do about it because Lester, you'd just record the show and no the recording. Edits. Let's go. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it also means that y'all keep it really simple. And I like it because God knows I hated that feeling of Jeff when I say something stupid on post game that immediately comes out on Twitter the next day that it would just be the only thing on the channel until Bears Banter came out. So thank you guys for being willing to jump in. I think it came out well. Well, that's it. Thanks guys for everything. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us. Of course, we'll be on Twitter. We'll be writing stuff in the off season. Um, I announced on Bears Over Beers that I am going to dive into writing the book that I have an idea of writing. Um, I will be doing that in the near future. To, so please send good thoughts my way because I will need uh, I will need that coming in. But I will share that along the way. Um, so this is the last one and we're going to do it again next year. So stick with us until we get more stuff. Bear down. Hi.